Part three, section three, chapter thirty five B of Organic Evolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Organic Evolution by Richard Swan Lull. Chapter thirty five B Horses. Paleontology of the Horse. Place of Origin. We have spoken of the simultaneous appearance of the modernized mammals in the Old and New Worlds, and the consequent belief in their origin in some contiguous landmass, which we have designated as Boreal Holarctica. What is true of the modernized mammals in general is true of the horses in particular, although as yet it is incapable of actual demonstration. The London clay, however, an Eocene formation of Europe, has produced Hyracotherium, the Old World's most ancient known equine, while in the Wasatch Rocks of western North America, of nearly equivalent age, the earliest American genus, Aohippus, has been found. These two genera are very much alike, but the premolar teeth of Hyracotherium, especially the second one of the upper jaw, are more simple than in Aohippus, thus stamping the Old World type as the most primitive horse-like form known. Horses are found from time to time in Europe and Asia, as one ascends the geologic column but the sequence does not seem to be continuous as it is in north america hence the inference first clearly brought to huxley through the study of the yale series that north america was the real theatre of equine evolution while the old world horses were merely the relics of genera which migrated thence from time to time as barriers to dispersal were temporarily removed the earlier of these migrations while interesting are unimportant from the standpoint of the evolutionary continuity had it not been however for the final pliocene migration of the horses to the great asiatic continent within whose fastnesses they found asylum their inexplicable extinction in the new world during the pleistocene would have closed the book of their progress forever and we would see them only as our paleontologic vision is able to pierce the gloomy curtain of the geologic past Eocene. Several generic names have been applied to the Eocene horses, of which Aohippus, the dawn horse, and Orohippus, the mountain horse, are the best-known American forms. The first comes from the lower Eocene, Wasatch, formation, and the latter succeeds it in the middle Eocene, Bridger Beds. Both are from Wyoming and New Mexico. The Eocene was a time of warm, moist climate, during which North America was clothed with a luxuriant vegetation, forests in which grew both evergreen and deciduous trees of a distinctly modern character, and, beside the numerous streams and lakes, sedgy meadows which in turn gave rise to grassy plains. Such was the environment of the first known horses, which were already somewhat advanced toward their evolutionary goal. Aohippus was a small but graceful creature, about twelve inches or three hands in height at the withers, with arched back, short head, and neck, limbs of moderate length, and showing in the digitigrade character of the feet the beginnings of cursorial adaptation. In fact, the general proportions are much those of a dog, such as the fox terrier or the whippet. The hand bore four complete toes, each terminating in a hoof-like nail, while the foot had but three, although a splint-like remnant of a fourth is present, and, in at least one specimen, the tiny splint-like vestige of the fifth is also seen. The advance of evolutionary progress shown by the foot over the hand is interesting, for it shows the foot to have been the main propelling organ, and therefore the first to feel the influence of cursorial adaptation, 
and it also shows the reluctant relinquishment of general utility for mere propulsion on the part of the hand. There is as yet no reduction of the ulna, nor of the fibula. The dentition is also advancing, in that the molars already begin to foreshadow their future complication. The originally separate cusps are fusing into cross-crusts, and the hinder premolar is becoming molariform. In orohippus, a further advance is indicated by the loss of the splint of the fifth digit of the foot, the shortening of the outer finger of the hand, the perfection of the molar-like character of the fourth or hindermost premolar, and the beginning of the molariform change in the third. Epihippus, from the upper Eocene untep formation, goes yet further in that the third and fourth premolars are molariform, and the second begins to be so modified. The digits of the hand are still four, and those of the foot three, but the middle digit of each begins to be the dominant one. There is in the part of the Eocene horses a gradual increase in size, the type skeleton of Orohippus mounted at Yale measuring thirteen and a half inches in height. Epihippus was still larger, but the complete skeleton thereof is as yet unknown. The known range of Eocene horses from Europe to New Mexico speaks for their migratory powers, always a characteristic of the equine hordes. Oligocene The Oligocene was a time of increased aridity, due in large part to continental uplift. And while much of the same conditions prevailed as in the Eocene, there was a consequent dwindling of streams and lakes which gave impetus to the development of broad meadow lands and of true prairie as well. Thus there were three conditions, woodland, meadows, and dry prairie, which seemed to have given rise to several parallel lines of equine evolution, some of which terminated, being overcome in the struggle for existence, while others flourished and gave rise to the horses of the Miocene. But two genera of Oligocene horses are recognized, Mesohippus and Myohippus, the former one lower and middle Oligocene, the latter confined to the upper Oligocene. Mesohippus, which had attained the size of a prairie wolf, had three functional digits in both hand and foot, although a rather long splint bone represented the fifth digit in the former. The middle toe in each instance was much the largest, and the lateral ones, in consequence, bore less of the creature's weight. Mesohippus berdi, the best-known form, averaged about eighteen inches or four and a half hands in height, and was a slender-limbed creature, very well adapted for speed. Mesohippus intermedius was larger, fully the size of a sheep, averaging twenty-four inches or six hands in height, and was in some ways unprogressive, which, together with the conditions under which it is found, may be taken as indicative of a conservative forest-dwelling form, in contrast with the progressive plains-living type. In all Oligocene horses the premolar teeth, with the exception of the small, simple first premolar, are fully molariform. Miocene The Miocene was a time of great continental elevation, and witnessed a wide expansion of our western prairies and a further diminution of the forest-clad areas. As a consequence, many browsing animals, well fitted for survival under former conditions, could not endure the change and perished. But the grazing types, horses, camels, deer, and antelope, adapting themselves to the new conditions, throve and spread amazingly and became the dominant forms of mammalian life. The Miocene horses were several, representing at least three lines of adaptation, two of which, Merychippus and Hipparion, were to survive, while another, Hypohippus was doomed to speedy extinction. Hypohippus, known as the forest horse, had broad, low-crowned teeth fitted only for browsing on succulent herbage. 
The feet were three-toed, which was equally true of all Miocene horses, but were distinctive in their broad-spreading character, with well-developed lateral hoofs, as though adapted, like the living caribou, to a soft, yielding ground, rather than hard prairie soil. In the hand, vestiges of the first and fifth digits may yet be seen as small nodules of bone at the back of the wrist. Thus, in spite of its having attained the size of a pony, forty inches or so in height, the creature was otherwise persistently primitive and did not long continue to exist. A huge form, Hypohippus mathui, lately described from Nebraska, greatly exceeded the more typical Hypohippus equinus in size. Merishippus is of especial interest in that it marks the transition from the horse-like forms with short-crowned uncemented teeth, Hyrocotheris, to the true horses whose long-crowned fully cemented grinders are suited to the harsh vegetation of the plains. In Merishippus, the milk teeth are short-crowned and have little or no cement and are thus reminiscent of its ancestry, while the permanent teeth are intermediate in length of crown and quite heavily cemented and are thus prophetic of the future. This is one of the most remarkable instances of the ontogenetic evidence of evolution seen among the horses. Merishippus is three-toed, in some instances with vestiges of the outermost digits of the hand. The lateral toes vary somewhat in the different species, though never reaching the ground, so that while structurally three-toed, the feet are functionally one-toed. The skull of this genus is the first in which the hinder border of the orbit is completed by sending downward a bony bar to join the zygomatic arch. Protohippus and Pliohippus, of the upper Miocene and Pliocene, are two closely related genera. In fact, the distinction between them is not always clear. It may suffice to say that Protohippus represents a form derived from Merishippus, but differing in that the milk as well as the permanent teeth are moderately long-crowned and cemented and in that the hand and foot still bear three toes, while in Pliohippus we have the first one-toed horse. Pliohippus is also characterized by having a peculiar pit or depression in front of the orbit, which may have lodged a scent gland like the larmier of deer, and doubtless of similar function. Pliohippus had a shoulder height of some forty inches or ten hands. Yet another Miocene horse was Hipparion, closely related to the two preceding genera, from the former of which it is sometimes difficult to distinguish it. The following diagnostic characteristics are based upon a skeleton of Hyperion Whitney from South Dakota, preserved in the American Museum. This species, except for the very large head, had the graceful and slender proportions of the antelopes, but in Protohippus and especially Pliohippus the skeleton approached more nearly the stockier proportions of the modern horses. The Hyperion Whitney is regarded by Professor Osborne as fitted to live in a semi-desert country, and in contrast to the Hypohippus is called the three-toed desert horse. The argument for this belief is seen in the highly perfected teeth, the pattern of whose enamel is in some instances more complexly enfolded than in any other horse, doubtless an adaptation to the harshest of herbage. The splendid fleetness which the skeleton implies is corroborative evidence. Hipparion is another world migrant, as its remains are found not only in Colorado, Nebraska, and South Dakota in great abundance, but even in far-off Greece, where in lower Pliocene rocks of Percomy near Athens they are entombed. Hipparion Whitney reached a height of forty inches or ten hands, while Hipparion gracilis of Percomy stood forty-four inches at the shoulder. Pliocene Pliocene time was one of great unrest. Conditions were becoming more and more severe, 
prophetic of the glacial period, new land bridges arose where none had existed for ages, and we find great consequent faunal interchanges recorded. It is not remarkable, therefore, that Hipparion reached the old world just as the true elephants made their first appearance in the new. Another notable Pliocene event was the appearance for the first time in geological history of true horses in South America, whither they went in company with the Debelodont Mastodons. The South American Pliocene horse was Hippidion, evidently a derivative of Protohippus, but differing in having short, stout rather than slender, one-toed feet. The teeth are like those of Pliohippus, but the skull differs remarkably in the extremely long, slender nasal bones, which, together with the great size of the head, must have given the creature a very peculiar cast of countenance. Hippidion, which had attained a stature of twelve and a quarter hands, lingered into the Pleistocene, where it became Onohippidion, a creature but recently extinct, if one may judge from the fresh-looking horny hoofs preserved in certain Patagonian caves. The modern horse first appears in the upper Pliocene beds of Eurasia and North America, and represents the culmination of the race. The feet are one-toed, but with well-developed splints of the second and fourth digits still remaining. In some individuals these are fused with the cannon bone, in others they are free. The teeth are long columnar structures of intricate enamel pattern, admirably adapted to their owner's needs, and the animal has attained the maximum stature consistent with fleetness. End of chapter 35b